Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this morning for a chance to worship together. Lord, I thank You especially for a moment to be strengthened in Your promises. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to what You have promised to us. Amen. As Catherine was reading Genesis 18, Sam looked at me and said, this would take hours. These guys have been waiting forever. And that's actually always been one of those things in this passage that fascinates me. These men, one of whom is the Lord, show up to Abraham's tent, and he says, stop for a minute and refresh yourselves. Guys, have a cup of coffee. Wait for a minute. And then what he does is turns and butchers a calf and has his wife grind and make bread. They're here all day long. This would take forever. And it just strikes me how different our culture is, where we're so preoccupied with getting things done that we don't have time to sit and wait in each other's company. This isn't the sermon, by the way. But anybody who's been to other cultures that think about time differently knows that this is true that you can go to visit somebody and literally do nothing but sit and talk and have it take five or six hours, where we would be going, when's dinner coming? When's dinner coming? I've got things to do. It's interesting. The lectionary actually puts together for us this week. Do I need to move back, Adam? The lectionary actually puts together for us this week two different stories where we see three different women waiting on the Lord at a table. And it's fascinating to me to see these different stories in parallel, to compare them. Because we have these three women who are all very different from one another, and yet they're waiting to serve the Lord. You see Martha, the anxious one, preparing. Her heart's busy and scattered. She's preoccupied with what needs to be done. She wants it perfect. Wants it so perfect that she's actually more tuned to the details of the dinner than she is to the Lord that she's actually serving. Reminds me of how frequently we in our own Bible study or prayer time can sit there and be unable to concentrate on the Lord because we need to get up and get the stuff of the day done. The real work's waiting for us. And we don't view the waiting on the Lord as the real work. I felt sympathy for Martha as I read this story this week. Or you think about Mary, the one whose heart is just at rest in the presence of the Lord. She's oblivious to the work. She's oblivious to the work because she's so desirous of hearing Jesus. Perhaps you've had a moment like this, a moment where time seemed to disappear and where you were content to wait in silence and listen, waiting on the Lord. For most of us, those moments are few and far between. We don't know how to cultivate them. Life is too busy, too frenetic, too harried. But that's Mary's heart. But it's actually Sarah's heart in Genesis 18 that I want to discuss this morning. Sarah's hurt and disbelieving heart. We see her heart revealed in her laugh. The bitter laugh of someone whose dream has been snatched away from her. Look at verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Her dream has been snatched away, and the laugh is the laugh of disbelief and of bitterness. You can almost imagine her saying, We followed God. 
We trusted him. We moved from our land. You can imagine her saying, I didn't even complain when we left those friends, when we left our family members, because we believed that God would give us what he promised. You believed that God would give you what you dreamed. You can imagine her saying, one son would have been enough, Lord. I followed you, but now I'm old. We know this isn't possible. You can hear her hurt, her disbelief saying, I trusted you. I didn't complain. I went where you said to go, and I've been waiting for years and years for this one thing that I longed for, for this one thing that I dreamed of. And now you mock me when I'm 89 with the idea of a son? You can hear her pain and her bitterness. She can't bring herself to believe God. Her heart can't believe because it's been wounded and scarred. This isn't the wound of some big monumental abuse. It's something much more ordinary, something that I think many of us have actually confronted. It's the ordinary wound of something that she longed for that was withheld from her. That sort of wound of, Lord, this is just my dream. This is the thing that I wanted, but it's not given. And so it nags and it digs and eventually it scars over. It's the longing of a heart that's unfulfilled. When she was confronted by this lack of faith, when the Lord said, why did you laugh? She denies it. She says, I didn't laugh. She's afraid. She's unwilling to actually voice out loud her lack of faith to God. She's unwilling to voice the wound that is in her heart. I trusted you, and you haven't come through for me. I've been waiting for decades, and you won't answer my prayers. And so she's scared, and she has a hard time believing. The Lord's response to her in verse 14 is so simple and clear. He says to her, nothing is too hard for the Lord. This time next year, I'll come back and you will bear a son. Basically, in effect, she says, nothing is too hard for me. I keep my promises. Nothing is too hard for me. I keep my promises. This is her, his response to her. This week, as I thought about this passage, I actually felt deep sympathy for Sarah. I felt deep sympathy for her. Because I thought about all the places in my own heart where I struggle to believe because I long for something good that has not yet been given. Or it's hard to believe that God will ever answer a prayer because I've prayed the same prayer so many times. I felt deep sympathy for her as I read this story this week. I thought about all the places where I feel incomplete, like something's missing. And I've said over and over, God, would you do this? God, would you do this? And yet all I seem to be confronted with is silence. And like Sarah, it can become hard to believe in those places because it seems like God is not listening. Each of us has things that we long to see God do in our lives. It may very simply be the longing for a true friend. Someone that we could trust. It may be the longing for reconciliation with a family member, where for years we've longed to see this relationship restored. It may be the desire to see a son or daughter return to the faith. It may be some simply peace, less fighting in our home. It may be a particular part of our character that we say, God, won't you fix this? 
Won't you fix this? Won't you change this? It may be freedom from some sort of physical pain. Like Sarah, most of us are walking around with longings that are just unfulfilled. Most of us in those moments can actually end up, because of the pain of unanswered prayer, most of us can end up in, with places, scars, wounds, hurts in our heart that make it difficult to believe that God will ever show up. We become bitter. We become resigned. We lose the faith entirely. This was the sympathy that I felt for Sarah this week. Sarah covering her pain and disbelief with bitter laughter. A weapon, a tool to guard off the hurt of acknowledging, I just can't believe that God will show up. I felt sympathy for her because I know how many places I go down that exact same road. But the Lord answers us in the same way that he answered Sarah. He says to us over and over, nothing is too difficult for me. I keep my promises. Hear those words of the Lord that he gave to Sarah. He says, nothing is too difficult for me. I keep my promises. That doesn't mean that you will get everything that you long for. It's important for us to be clear and to actually say that his promises are not always the same things that we long for and we pray for. There are things that are withheld in this life, some good things, some reconciliation with some family members, some people turning to return, choosing to return to the Lord, parts of our character being fully restored. There are good things that we long for that we won't get fully in this life. In the mystery of God's will, he knows what it is that we actually need. He knows the things that we need, and he does give us some of those things at times. But not all of those things are necessarily the things that he promises. The point is that his promises are not always what we pray and long for. And so when he says, nothing is too difficult for me, I keep my promises, that doesn't mean that we'll get everything that we want in life. We hear in Revelation that it's only in the return of the Lord that every tear is finally wiped away. That promise is there, that that will occur in the end. But in this life, there will be things that we still wait for and wait for and wait for. But we can trust that his promises will come true. And this is what he said to Sarah, and this is very much what I want us to hear this morning. He says to us, those things I have promised to you, I will fulfill. I do not break my word. All through the scriptures, we hear this refrain that the word of the Lord is not broken. It never fades. It never wears out. It will outlast creation itself. He says to you, I keep my word. I keep my promises. So then the question is, what are his promises? As I thought about this this week, thought about the promises of the Lord, I thought how important it is for us to confront these from time to time. To slow down, to slow down long enough to let them sink deep. I think about his promise of forgiveness. The fact that every bit of ugliness that you have done, 
The fact that the worst things, the things of shame and horror, that all of this is washed away. The fact that it's not yours anymore. It's not on your shoulders. The things that you still have grief over because I did that in the past. These things are washed away. This is his promise. As Romans 8 says, there is no condemnation. There is nothing that you have done that you can be accused of before the Lord because he promises forgiveness to those who put their trust in him. These sort of promises. I thought about the promise of help in temptation. Hebrews 2.18, the high priest who's been tempted in every way so that he is able to assist us in our temptation. A promise that he will help in the moment of temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, there is no temptation that is overtaking you, but what is common to man. And in every temptation, there is a way of escape. The promise that there is a way out, that we don't have to be under the thumb of sin, that he will give help in temptation. I thought about the promise of his intercession. About Romans 8, the spirit interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. Or about Hebrews, the high priest standing in the presence of the Father, interceding on your behalf. Think of this promise. That this morning as we sit, this morning as we worship, the Spirit is praying for you. Praying for you in a way that you cannot pray for yourself. This morning as we sit, the very Son of God stands in the presence of the Father and pleads and begs on your behalf. That's how much he cares for you. Think of this promise, his intercession. I thought about the promise of sufficient grace and strength to make it through the day. How many days have you seen a day that is just too much, too overwhelming? I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I don't have the self-control. And yet what God says is my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. This is 2 Corinthians 12. His promise that his grace will be present with you. Hebrews 4, boldly approach the throne of grace that you may, may find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. His promise that no matter the day you face, his grace will be sufficient for it. I think about the promise of his presence. Deuteronomy 30. I will never leave you nor forsake you. A verse picked up in Hebrews and quoted in chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise of his presence that no matter the darkness, no matter the gloom, no matter the valley, no matter the pain, he says, I will be there. There is no such thing as being alone once you know the Lord. This is why David says, where can I go from thy spirit? Where can I flee from thy presence? He says, if I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed amongst the dead in Sheol, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me. How many of us have felt that? Surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the, night, the day, light will become like the night. He says, even the darkness is not dark to you. You were there. 
the promise of his presence that no matter where we go, we cannot be alone. Psalm 23, even if we go through the very valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil, for you are with me. The promise of his presence. I think about the promise of his love. How many of us in so many moments say, but I'm just unlovable. If people really knew me, they wouldn't love me. How many of us deal with the anguish of a heart that says, I can't share these things about myself. I can't confess these sins because if I did, I would be despised. How many of us deal with the wonder, perhaps God doesn't really love me. Perhaps I need to prove myself better to him. And yet, listen to this promise in Romans 8. What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The point is clear. He has promised his love to you. And there is nothing that can happen that will separate you from his love. My point this morning is clear. Like Sarah, many of us actually stand before the Lord struggling to believe. And we struggle to believe because there are places where what we have longed for, the good things we have hoped for, have not come true. And it's true that we will not receive everything in this life. Every tear will be wiped away in the end. But God does not promise that we will have a pain-free life now, that everything will be perfect. But what he does promise never fails to come true because nothing is impossible for him and because he keeps his word. And so my call to you, my call to me this morning is to be like that third lady in the story, Mary. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, content to listen to his word. I don't know what he was saying at that moment but I imagine that it included something of the promises of God. Something of God saying to her, Jesus saying directly to Mary, this is how you are loved. This is how you will be forgiven. If you struggle to believe, return to the promises. Encourage one another in the promises. Remind one another of the promises. Bring each other back to the promises. Amen.